What's really good? Welcome back to another edition, episode 16 of The Sanchez Show, the sports podcast influenced by hip-hop. I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend in Two Games. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also follow me across all social media platforms. Again, it's Legend in Two Games, completely spelled out, L-E-G-E-N-D-I-N-T-W-O-G-A-M-E-S. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment, and as I always say, Willing to open up the platform to anybody who wants to have a great sports debate. So if you've got a topic or debate that you want to have covered here on the show, let me know. Send it over to me. I'll do it. Uh, With that being said, man, it is Sunday, August 16th. The NBA playoffs kick off tomorrow. So we're going to basically keep today's podcast um, on the topic of the NBA playoffs. Um, Before we begin, though, I wanted to change it up a little bit because I'll give predictions and, and I'll uh, kind of give my input in each series and game by game as that goes on. But I didn't want to weigh you guys down with just your, your standard predictions. I wanted to change things up a little bit. And um, today we're going to be discussing what I consider to be probably the five most intriguing storylines as we head into these playoffs. Um, and again, I'm doing this before the playoffs start. So if anything changes uh, tomorrow in regards to injury or those things like that, you know, we ain't got no control over that. However, I do think The topics I'm about to present to you guys are the five most intriguing storylines. They all have their own nuance as to why they're going to be intriguing and why we're going to be paying attention to these things as we head into the playoffs. So without further ado, as I mentioned, the playoffs start tomorrow. So let's jump right into it. I think one of the most intriguing storylines, it's not the most, but it's up there, is our 4-5 matchup out west, Um, Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets. Um, Obviously, we know Chris Paul was traded to OKC from Houston for Russell Westbrook. Westbrook looks like he's going to miss a little time in this series, um, hearing he could miss possibly three games, maybe more. Uh, There have been rumors that he is obviously going to try to come back uh, at some point in this series, but he is injured. And so to me, there are a lot of layers to why this becomes interesting. Uh, The first being obviously CP3, Chris Paul, who was traded. Um, When he was shipped off from Houston, there were rumblings and rumors that him and James Harden just couldn't coexist. They could no longer get along. Chris Paul is a ball-dominant point guard, and he likes to really run the show. But the offense and the way Mike D'Antoni does things in Houston uh, are catered to the ball being in James Harden's hands. And even though him and Westbrook have found a way to make it work this year, um, record-wise and and seeding, it wasn't head and shoulders better than what him and Chris Paul had going on. Um, you know, we can't forget him and Chris Paul, their first year together, went to a Western Conference Finals and lost in Game 7 to uh, KD, Steph, Clay, and Draymond and the Warriors, who were the eventual champions. Um, also, we can't overlook the fact that CP3 got hurt in that series. Uh, we can't overlook the fact that last year, while Kevin Durant was hurt, the Rockets had an opportunity to take advantage of the Warriors, and they couldn't do it. And the Warriors ended up beating them in six games last year. So ultimately, Houston felt like it was time to move on from these two guards, and they went with Westbrook, who they feel gives them a little more athleticism, who also helps them on the, on the boards because he's such a um, aggressive player and, and really good rebounder for, for a guard. And they also play this small ball that everyone's been talking about and everybody's been wondering how is it going to match up in the playoffs. And now we're going to get to see it. But to me, the reason why CP3 against Houston is very intriguing is because I think his legacy and James Harden's legacy are on the line here in this series. You know, we know all the the accolades and the regular season awards and all those things that both of these guys have tallied up. 
But for the two years they, they were together, they both achieved a lot of success. And again, as I mentioned, a Western Conference final, and they probably were the biggest threat to knock off KD and the Warriors for those two years. They came the closest to doing it. Now that those guys have been separated and Paul is in Oklahoma City with a what I consider a far deeper roster than what Harden has in Houston, both of these guys now legacy is on the line because losing in the first round in either one of these situations could ultimately lead to some sort of breakup of that team. For Oklahoma City, it's not that big of a deal. They were expected to rebuild this season anyway. Uh, in my eyes, I think Billy Donovan uh, was the best head coach this season because of what he had to navigate through, understanding that the team was looking to tank it away. You know, not only did they trade Russell Westbrook, they traded Paul George as well, and they were going younger. They kept a couple vets, but they were going younger. And I think their roster is deeper. And this is almost uh, them playing with house money at this point because no one expected them to be in this spot, in this position. So if they lose, it's okay. Chris Paul may be out of there anyway, whether they win or lose. But for Houston, D'Antoni, his his long-term job security could be um, in jeopardy. Um, you know, what do you do with Westbrook and Harden moving forward? They both got a lot of years left on their deals. Harden probably isn't going anywhere, but would you look to move Westbrook? Even though he, again, he's going to be injured, but this team was built to make a deep playoff run. You don't trade for Russell Westbrook with the intentions of getting knocked out in the first round. Now with him being hurt, there's extra pressure on Eric Gordon on P.J. Tucker, on Austin Rivers. Those guys got to step up because a first-round exit could mean some changes and some head rolls in Houston. Uh, and I don't think Daryl Morey, Morey uh, their president of basketball, is exempt from this either. Again, this is a roster he put together. He went all in on this small ball and shoot a bunch of threes uh, theory and, and game plan. It's got to work out now. Whether Westbrook is there or not, it's got, it still has to work out. So to me, CP3 against Houston is interesting. Um, the legacies of the two best players on the court, Chris Paul and James Harden are on the line. I think there are potential jobs on the line and in the Houston side of things. And ultimately, Houston coming into the bubble became the trendy pick for a lot of people. A lot of people felt they could uh, be the surprise team in these playoffs because of their style of play. You don't have Russell Westbrook for a few games. Those other guys are going to have to find a way to make it happen and still win uh, what I consider to be a very competitive series. And, and to me, I think they're the underdogs in this series, but we got to see it play out. Uh, ultimately, like I said, though, CP3 against Houston, very interesting storyline. The next one, I want to shift over to the Eastern Conference, and it's also a team that's dealing with an injury. Um, and I, I'll combine because I think there are two interesting storylines here, but the Sixers and the Celtics. So coming into the season, they both had – high expectations and uh, aspirations for this season. We know about the Sixers losing on that uh, very fluky shot by Kawhi Leonard last year in the second round of the playoffs. There are some that believe if Kawhi doesn't make that shot, not only do the Sixers win that game in overtime, but the Sixers probably would have gone on to the finals because they would have had a legitimate opportunity and a legit shot to beat Milwaukee as well. Um, on the flip side, they're playing a Boston team who – a little bit of a down year last year, a little bit of a disappointing year. Still made the playoffs, but they really got ran out of the gym in the second round by Milwaukee. They moved on from Kyrie. They moved on from Al Horford. They're a team that truly preaches and believes in positionless basketball. They're a team that consistently has multiple ball handling wings on the court, whether it's Kemba, uh, Marcus Smart, 
Tatum, Brown. You know, they, they've got a lot of guys, a lot of playmakers on that team. Very interchangeable in the positions and, and defensive assignments. I'm going to combine both these storylines. The first one to me is Joel Embiid and Brent Brown. I have uh, been very vocal in that I think this Philly situation needs to be broken up. I know Ben Simmons is hurt. He will not play at any point in the playoffs. His season is done. That changes the outlook and the expectations for the Sixers. But ultimately, throughout the regular season, I think they've been very disappointing. There's no reason that they should have been the sixth seed in the East. The, the talent on that roster, the way they assembled that, that the parts of that roster to go around Simmons and Embiid, that, this was a team that was expected to be one of the better teams in the whole league, not just the East. They did not live up to those expectations, and they were a terrible road team before the eventual shutdown of the season and then also the, the restart. But not having, not having Simmons, to me, doesn't give you the excuse uh, that you can no longer compete. You still have Al Horford, Josh Richardson. These were moves that you guys made um, with the intentions of being a NBA Finals contender. And the reason I throw Brent Brown in here as well with Joel Embiid and the whole Sixer situation is at some point we we can no longer give Brent Brown a pass. I've been very vocal in that I think some of the issues in Philly is that Brent Brown isn't a strong enough locker room voice. There's no reason that every year for the past three years we've entered the season and ended the season with the same questions over and over. And that is when is Ben Simmons going to actually start shooting the ball from outside of the paint? He refuses to shoot a jump shot, let alone a three-point shot. When is Joel Embiid going to report in shape? He consistently is out of shape and a little doughy and got to work his way in. And We know when he's on his game, he's one of the most dominant players in the league. There's no questioning that. But at some point, I think it's got to fall on the leadership and the head coach. You, for, for whatever reason, either he doesn't have the respect of these guys or he's not strong enough on these guys to hold them accountable. But there is no reason that the Sixers have two of possibly the top 15 players in all of the NBA, and they can't even get to an Eastern Conference Finals. They're struggling just to get to that point. To me, Brent Brown is going to get a pass again because Ben Simmons is out. Well, I assume people are going to give him a pass. I shouldn't say to me because I don't feel he gets a pass at all. I think Brent Brown would have been coaching for his job this year. That's why in these playoffs, that's why we saw them do the lineup adjustment where they were going to move Shake Milton into the starting rotation. Ben would have played at the power forward. Al Horford would have come off the bench. Brent Brown is scrambling to try to figure out how he can make this thing work. And for me, his and Embiid's legacy is on the line because of Embiid, even if they lose to the Celtics, if Embiid is not dominant, if he is not showing us that all-star caliber uh, player and, and in my eyes, I think he has MVP potential when he's on his game. If he does not show that in this series, we have to really ask the tough questions as to whether Brent Brown is the right guy for this job and if Embiid and Simmons should even get another year together. I think we were already approaching a point where one of those guys was going to have to get traded. Embiid gets his opportunity to, to show, no matter how they do in this series, he has an opportunity to show that he is the star that we think he is and that he is the guy you should be trying to build around. Only time will tell. On the flip side of that, and like I said, I'm combining another storyline here. I was going to give you guys five, so we're already up to number three. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens for years has been viewed as this, you know, the whiz kid, a kid genius, you know, very young head coach. Uh, he was the youngest head coach at the time when he took over the Celtics job. He's done a lot with very little talent. We saw him take 
a team led by Isaiah Thomas deep into the playoffs. We saw him uh, a couple years ago when Kyrie missed this, the season with a very young team led by Jason Tatum and Brown go to an Eastern Conference Finals, got to Game 7, and, and Jason Tatum showed us the flashes of the potential that he had then. But then last year was down. You know, I don't know if it was just Kyrie or it just didn't work. This year, though, I think the gloves have to be off on Brad Stevens. We're going to learn a lot about Brad Stevens as a head coach and as a motivator because everything we've seen from this Celtic team this year has been very positive. It looks like this is a group of guys that really enjoy playing with each other. But the reason I put the pressure on Brad Stevens is this first-round matchup, I think they should be able to handle Philly pretty easily, especially without Ben Simmons. They will be able to just load up on Embiid, and they're going to force somebody else to beat them. Embiid will probably have his way, right? The Celtics really don't have a guy who can match up with Embiid. But that collection of wings that I mentioned, Tatum, Brown, Walker, uh, Smart, those guys, I think, should have their way on the other side against Philly because I don't see, uh, aside from really Josh Richardson and Thibault, who's a really good defender, there isn't enough matchups for Philly to be able to slow those guys down. And on the flip side, the Celtics will be able to take away what they do, what they like to do. Um, so I think we should see a very good Celtics series in the first round, similar to what we saw last year. They looked good in the first round last year. The real question for Brad Stevens is going to become that potential second round matchup that's looming against Nick Nurse, who a lot of people feel he is the best coach in the East. Uh, he is in the discussion as the best coach in the NBA. They are the reigning NBA champions. They have had a phenomenal season despite losing um, despite losing Kawhi Leonard. We've seen a little bit of a resurgence from Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam has turned himself into a legitimate all-star. And that matchup is looming in the second round. And I think that's going to be the big test for Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens should get past this first round pretty easily. But that second round is where we're going to have to measure... Is Brad Stevens the guy we thought as a head coach? Is he as smart and as innovative as we thought as a head coach? Or was he kind of a flash in the pan who surprised us with less talent? But now that he has the talent, can't get him over the hump. We're going to find out a lot about Brad Stevens, and I think the pressure is going to be on him. Not in his first round, but in that second round matchup, it's going to get very interesting to see him and Nick Nurse match up X's and O's to see who could give their team an advantage. Because both those rosters are stacked. There isn't one roster that you look at and you say, oh, this one's clearly better. No way. There are pieces on each side that I like. There's depth on each side that I like. These are, They will be two very good head coaches going at each other. And it's going to come down to who can outmaneuver the other head coach. Brad Stevens, the spotlight is going to be on you in that second round matchup. The next one I want to get to, and before I do, again, this is the Sanchez Show, the sports podcast influenced by hip hop. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, stream it on all platforms, and also follow me on social media. It is Legend in Two Games, completely spelled out, L-E-G-E-N-D-I-N-T-W-O-G-A-M-E-S. That being said, let's move on. The next two um, storylines that I'm really interested in paying attention to see how they play out, um, they both have championship aspirations. I'll start out West first. Anthony Davis to me, is the second most intriguing storyline in all of these playoffs. I think Anthony Davis, for a long time, and similar to the comparison I made with Brad Stevenson, for a long time, we have pegged Anthony Davis as one of the top five players in the league. For a long time, he's always been at the top of any list 
um, that started out with the question, if you had to build your franchise around a player for the next 10 years, who would it be? And Anthony Davis has been at the top of that list for quite some time. This is his best opportunity to show us why he is a top five player. And to me, there is no pressure on LeBron in these playoffs. Absolutely none. And I'm not going to buy it from anybody who says, oh, LeBron's got a lot of pressure. Listen, LeBron's legacy is already cemented. There, there really isn't much room for LeBron to improve on his resume and his legacy. In, in my personal opinion, I don't have LeBron as number one. He is definitely on that Mount Rushmore, the top four. Uh, and to me, he's, you know, it, it's always tough to, to determine whether he should be second or third on my list. But I, I have him as a solid third, only behind Mike and Kareem. Those are the only two players that I think are have, have been better than LeBron and have a better resume than LeBron. With that being said, there is no pressure on LeBron. LeBron's in a situation he continues to show us over and over that he is the best player in the game. And we've seen him on the biggest stages do it. So it's not as if, it's not as if LeBron needs some sort of clutch performance to solidify his legacy or his standing within NBA history. That's already cemented. The pressure is on Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis was brought to L.A. at the request of LeBron to be the running mate who can help LeBron get back into title contention. And up until this point, we have yet to see the dominant Anthony Davis playoff performance. He's played well in some playoff series. He's never been out of the second round of the playoffs, never been in a big playoff moment before. This is a guy who's going to have to show it now because every game, the Lakers will have that target on their back. You're the number one seed in the West for a reason. Everyone's going to try to knock you off. Starting from that very first game against Portland, no matter how deep in the playoffs they go, every game they will have a target on their back. And Anthony Davis is going to be forced to respond and come up big in some big moments. So I'm spotlighting Anthony Davis because this is the moment that you've been waiting for. You wanted to be in L.A. You wanted to have an opportunity to play for championships. Well, now you're on the number one seed in the Western Conference with title expectations. You've got to show it. You've got to show us why you were brought over and why we should still consider you as one of the top five players in the league. Point blank, period. There Again, there is no pressure on LeBron James in these playoffs. LeBron has already proven to us what he can do. There is nothing else, even winning a championship this year, I don't think is going to change LeBron's standing within history. He's a multiple-time champion. He's got three of them already. Winning a fourth would be great for the resume. I went to another finals. I won one. That's great. It it, it makes the, the, the resume stand out a little bit more. But is it going to change his standing in the history? All right, then maybe he becomes a solid number two on some people's list. But ultimately, LeBron is LeBron. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going to be a unanimous Hall of Famer when he goes in. There's no debate in that. This is all about Anthony Davis, though. Anthony Davis is the younger star. Anthony Davis right now might be the better star because LeBron is up there in age. He's got a lot of mileage on him. But Anthony Davis has yet to show us in the playoffs that he is this top five star that we continue to list him as. The pressure to me is on Anthony Davis, not LeBron James. And let's transition over for our last one. We're going to go back east to another star who I feel has to have a monster playoff run. I'm talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo. The number one seed in the East, uh, the reigning MVP, looks like he's going to be the back-to-back MVP. I need I need Giannis 
to be dominant in these playoffs. And I need him to be dominant because I think we're getting to a point with him as well where it's looking great in the regular season, but he has yet to put it together in the playoffs. It seems too many times teams are able to implement a game plan to slow him down in the playoffs. Boston did it a few years ago. Toronto did it last season. I also think we're flirting with very dangerous territory in regards to Giannis's upcoming free agency next summer. If they can't get it done this year as the number one seed, as the favorite to come out of the East for the second straight year, if they cannot get it done this year, we have to strongly wonder, will Giannis resign next summer? And I know there are some people who say, oh, there's no doubt he'll resign. He's not going anywhere. He loves Milwaukee. Listen, we've heard that many of times with different stars. I'm not believing it. I'm not buying it. If they do not win this year, I strongly think he is out of there. They, they're in a position where they really can't upgrade the, the supporting cast. Bledsoe, Middleton already locked in. There's a reason why they weren't able to bring Malcolm Brogdon back when he was a free agent. They're locked into this roster. If that supporting cast can't elevate him to that next level, he's going to leave. This is no different than what we saw from LeBron in Cleveland in 08 and 09 after he had gone to a finals. And they were the number one seeds. And then they kept getting, you know, upset and disappointing playoff losses in back-to-back years. Losing Orlando one year, and then you losing to Boston. And then LeBron realizing it's not going to work. I've got to figure out how to get out of here or at least get myself more, more support so I can take my game to that next level. Giannis has to do it. And Giannis is going to have to be big in these playoffs because this is it. The supporting cast ain't changing. Like I said, they're locked into this. Bledsoe struggled last year in the playoffs. He's got to play better for them to have a shot. Middleton's going to have to play well for them to have a shot. Lopez is going to have to knock down some threes to give him a shot. But I have a feeling there's certain matchups there in the East that I just don't like for Milwaukee. And I have a strong feeling that we're going to be revisiting this topic and, and the thoughts on Giannis about him not being able to step up big in the playoffs. To me, it's the most intriguing storyline of these playoffs. Because he is right now the young star of the league, looking like the back-to-back MVP. But he just can't get over the hump in the playoffs. He hasn't gotten to a finals yet. And if they don't get to a finals this year, I would probably say 85% chance he does not resign next summer. To me, this is the year. It has to be the year. If you're Milwaukee, it has to be the year. If you don't win all the talk, in the offseason and heading into next season will be about Giannis leaving. We saw it in 2009-2010 with LeBron. Cleveland had to deal with that pressure all season, and it caught up to them in the playoffs. We see it all the time with teams. This is the year. Either Giannis goes to the finals or Giannis goes to another team next summer. Just my thoughts. Legend in two games. Again, appreciate the love and support. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on all social media platforms. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. And as I always say, we open up the platform for anybody who wants to have a great sports debate. So hit me up. Again, Legend in Two Games across all platforms. L-E-G-E-N-D-I-N-T-W-O-G-A-M-E-S. And we out of here.